Smut Report! Hi, welcome to the Smut Report podcast. We're here to talk about epilogues today. Are they awesome? Are they infuriating? We're going to discuss and find out. I'm Ingrid. I'm Holly. And I'm Erin. And welcome to the Smut Report, which I already said. Carrying on. We decided to check in today because we were talking about epilogues, because who doesn't talk about epilogues in their day-to-day conversation, and how either infuriating <laughs> or helpful or whatever they are. And Erin, because she loves to pick this stuff apart, was like, we should do a podcast on it. So here we are. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. I don't know. Erin, you want to talk a little bit about... Well, I feel like it, it's... Yeah. yeah. It's one of those conversations that comes up a lot in romance landia romance circles online where people will be very clear about not liking epilogues or how much they hate epilogues and oftentimes it's specifically epilogues with the proposal marriage like wedding babies kind of tie it in a bow stuff but some people just don't even like them at all i want to interrupt you though because I think it's a very specific subsection of Romance Landia doesn't like the marriage and babies epilogue. I think many people who read romance novels who are not chronically online love really them. Like, yeah. Love them. Yeah. So I think that's true. Sorry. Continue. I agree with I that. I just wanted to jump in on that. And I think we should circle back to the bigger thing, which is whether or not epilogues actually serve a purpose in these romance novels that we're reading. And so Just from a nerdy writing standpoint, the whole point of an epilogue, right, it can serve several purposes. And from what I understand, and you guys can chime in, but the the purpose of an epilogue is to tie up loose ends. That's one. Mm -hmm. It can be to resolve conflict or plot threads that maybe didn't get resolved to satisfaction during the plot. I'm talking about like... Picture a romance novel that has, or any book really, but we're specifically talking about romance novels here because what other books are worth is our time, honestly. Um, <laughs> but the, but like picture a romance novel that had a high suspension resolution. So like there's been a kidnapping. Everybody is like, you know, guns firing. They find each other. Hooray. And end scene, right? So the characters haven't yet come together to talk out what happened or to clear up their relationship or whatever. So an epilogue could serve to draw out or release some of the tension that was not satisfactorily released when the plot was sent, clinched up at the end. That's a, that's a completely reasonable purpose for an epilogue. If, for example, it was a high drama relationship between the protagonists and maybe the reader didn't feel 100% like this was like maybe there was still like a 10-15% like this is a gamble of a relationship kind of a thing the epilogue could help smooth that out and be like oh no it was really worth it this really paid off they have a great relationship blah 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 blah. so in my mind those are the practical purposes of an epilogue that is when an epilogue could be used as a literary device to help improve the book Okay, so here's another way epilogues are used, probably less in romance than in other genres, but in a series, epilogues, Mm -hmm. I feel, are frequently used as teasers for the next book or the next part of the story. Oh, yeah. And I I think that happens frequently in romance, actually. Frequently. Because how many do you have where it's at the wedding and then it's like, you know, oh, you're next at the wedding, right? Well, I think it doesn't often happen so 
overtly in romance because we're so accustomed to romance authors teasing relationships in the book itself you know so it's like oh there's clearly some friction happening between these two side characters when are they gonna get their book and maybe there'll be some hint of that in the epilogue as well I, i can't really think of a specific example of that off the top of my head but i was pulling up books for our discussion and i thought it was unusual so i've been starting a deep dive into the omega verse because because I'm thinking, of course you are. <laughs> I was like, what is this Omega Verse thing? I was thinking about doing something for this, like I did for my motorcycle club uh, reading that's just like, what is going on here? And it's been an interesting journey. But the, I've read a couple that are kind of clustered together where the author did do exactly this. One is Alpha Dragon's Tiger, guys. I'm sorry, what? Alpha. Okay, don't don't answer that question. That Alpha sounds Dra- like a whole different discussion. It's based on a plot. It's a dating game show for fated mates. What? What? I know, right? Okay. Anyway, so Alpha Dragon's Tiger, and so then at the epilogue, they are. I mean, it's an Omega Verse book, so there's baby stuff happening there too. But the next brother is very clearly discussed as being the next character in the book. But even more than that, I was reading these books about Krakens. <laughs> and this is- okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our blog in a nutshell. Yep. Krakens, Omegaverse, motorcycle books, Dukes. We do it all. And so it's a five book series about five Kraken brothers who I didn't know there this was is... I think it's Kraken brothers <laughs> also Omega Verse. Why do I feel like Kraken brothers should have a coffee shop? <laughs> <laughs> no or bagels. Be a, be a band? I don't know. <laughs> Kraken brothers bagelry. Oh my gosh! I mean, I don't disagree with you on this. It would be I think a that would be fabulous. <laughs> I know, but these Kraken brothers, they have a. PI type of company? Boring. A security company? Boring. Why aren't they slinging locks? I know, <laughs> right? I, <sighs> okay, so back to these Kraken brothers. <laughs> so the five brothers are the protagonists in the book, and each brother has his own issue to deal with, but there's also an overarching plot for the five books. And so the epilogue in each book not only hints at the next couple and plot, but it it's even a different POV. Like they switch, they completely switch. The series is Tangled Tentacles. I'll link to it in the show notes. <laughs> but it switches to the POV of one of the brothers and like fully goes into the next plot and the next problem they're going to have in the next relationship, which I, I don't think, I have definitely read other books that do that. But I don't think that that specifically, and I think that might be more what Holly was leading to mm-hmm. than what Ingrid was talking about with hinting at who's the next couple. It's like very specifically outlining what's going to happen in the next book instead of resolving like these epilogues and this, this Kraken thing, they don't even really talk about tying up loose ends for the mm-hmm. main protagonists of the story. They are fully already in the next book. Right. right. Introducing the new problem and the new conflict. Right. So I think that it's safe to say, though, that an epilogue either clinches that material that's in that book or it's leading as a bridge to the next book is what we're trying to say. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. The purpose is to like. It's, yeah. So. It's, it's to provide either provide closure or get someone to immediately start the next book. Right. Precisely. Yeah. 
I mean, and I think the immediately start the next book is I, I have to admit that I sometimes read things that are not romance novels and I what? see it more often in kind of sci-fi fantasy adventure stuff, mm-hmm. right? In these kind of series where it's like these epic adventures and you defeat the first bad guy and then there's the epilogue where it's like, here is the next new machination, which is what Aaron was describing, I think for the Kraken Brothers. Well, and like, if we're talking about other books too, I mean, some authors have really played on that. So, for example, if it's an adventure book or a really like high tension, high suspense book, and like, think this can be applicable to movies too that we've seen where an an author might take, you're supposed to get a feeling of closure, right? You expect a feeling of closure in an epilogue Mm -hmm. or a scene like that. And sometimes they'll flip it on its head and they'll like leave some kind of egg to make you think that's actually discomforting right. so it right. like kind of flips that on its head so it's it's definitely like a very interesting literary tool that can i think be used very well mm-hmm. and can be used very clumsily and i think yes. in romance there is a tendency for it to be handled at no offense a little clumsily every once in a while i don't even think it's every once in a while and i don't know that i think i would argue that for romance, most of the time, given the way that most readers, as Holly was saying, there's like a very loud subset of very much online romance people, but... We can call them romance snobs. We're, we're some of them. <laughs> but romance readers in general are probably looking for exactly what epilogues are providing, which mm-hmm. is a continuation of that wish fulfillment and tying up the bow of, yes... The happily ever after that hit on the last page when they said, I love you, kind of like Ingrid was describing of like, okay, we're closing the main story arc, but we haven't really got the full resolution and Mm -hmm. uh, letdown of all of Mm -hmm. that high emotion. We can now jump into the future and see further happiness and like further continuity of this relationship that we've invested time and emotional energy in. And I think Eloisa James, I think it was when Ingrid and I went to that author talk with Lisa Kleypas, Eloisa James and Sarah McLean. It was a good one. All right. Yeah. They all write historical romance and they all do epilogues. Mm -hmm. I think frequently, maybe not all the time, but Eloisa James, I think was the one who said that she feels like especially with historical romance where like women could die in childbirth or, you know, you couldn't get divorced and there Mm -hmm. there were certain stakes that are not the same as now. It feels good to see that everybody came through. Yeah. To the other side. Those Mm -hmm. hardships. Yeah. Yeah. Which to be honest with you, if I think about it, I tend to feel a lot more comfortable and less irritated with epilogues when they're historical books. And I think that that's probably why. For me, when I say some of them see, feel a little clumsy to me, I it feels clumsy when you, you're reading the epilogue and it feels like it's just extended afterglow. Like mm. there's not a purpose. It doesn't, it's not sealing anything up. It feels superfluous. I, in my mind, when I'm enjoying like the afterglow of a really great book and then there's an epilogue, but it doesn't feel necessary. It's almost like it kind of ruins the enjoyment for me because it's, I already have my afterglow. Like I'm so happy about how everything ended up. And now the extra stuff, it's like, well, get, go on, like get out of there. I'm good. Go on. So that's, for me, it tends to happen a lot actually in contemporaries. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Right. That 
this like the the afterglow extension i feel like that is what a lot of romance epilogues do right yeah i agree we can talk about these later because i'm thinking of examples of epilogues that i remember because they felt really necessary right or they Mm -hmm. did they actually did close off some other tiny loop but i feel like most of them are just like all right it's a year later and you had your baby or it's a year later and you used to give say your vows or it's a year later and you you're having great sex still yeah um, <laughs> like i don't know yeah sometimes it's i think this is a little bit also with the group of very much online authors they're like so how much sex can i put in this epilogue and readers are like yay one more sex scene and i'm like I don't know. I don't. Yeah. What is the purpose of what is that doing? Not that you can't just have scenes, but right. Yeah. Then I want to know, like, why? Why is that not simply part of the book? Like, why is Mm -hmm. that? What is that contributing to the narrative that you've developed as an author? Well, and that's true. And then that that also brings up the idea of how much time needs to have passed for an epilogue to be effective because there have certainly been epilogues where it's like the next day right (laughs) and then it's like okay well why couldn't this just be a chapter you know what i mean but technically speaking it's not like there's rules about like oh well an epilogue has to be at least 365 days after the action it doesn't work like that and there has i think I'm not sure off the top of my head, but there is a, the Riley Thorne books by Lucy Score. I think mm-hmm. she does her epilogues. I, I can't. I'm, I'll have to look it up. And if it's not an epilogue, it's absolutely like attack. Like the last chapter is kind of the next day, but it feels like an epilogue because it has to wrap up all this absolutely bananas plot threads that have gone on. And if she didn't have that, you know, so like even though it is just the next day, it feels like a very functional epilogue because it's wrapping up stuff okay so here's a question ingrid how would this wrap up of functional bananas plot threads work differently if it were if this chapter were called chapter 25 instead of epilogue well i think epilogue when you see when you're reading a book and you see epilogue in your head you know it's done Hmm. do you know what i mean so if you have just read a book and and the action has ended, you have that afterglow and then there's another chapter and you're like, well, what is happening now? Do you know what I mean? Like what's mm. next? So it's an indicator to the reader that it's finished and now I'm going to give you some extra information to help you enjoy this book. Do you know what? Now that you're saying this, there is. I'm pretty sure it's Annabeth Albert and I don't know if it's all of her books because I binged them all last year year the year before so it's been a minute but i feel like annabeth albert is the author that i was reading who hasn't been doing an epilogue and does just do like chapter 26 but it's said a year later yeah <laughs> and, I'm and like, you're like Wait this is weird <laughs> i don't know it's very clearly time has passed and we've already had some resolution but it's just another chapter i feel like that's a very interesting choice as opposed to the authors who do it kind of the opposite way where i mean i have i get what you're saying ingrid but i have definitely read books where an author has maybe closed the loop on like the climactic action Mm -hmm. and like we've 
we've come through our thing and whatever, but we could still be in the denouement where we're like still having some resolution reasonably in regular chapters after that. And that's what it is. It's like the decompression of like, okay, we're back in the office the next day and we have to like file our reports and like close the loop on explaining the rest of the mystery that wasn't necessarily totally clear when all the action was happening. And it's really weird to me when authors make that the epilogue as opposed to just being the end of the, yeah. The- so, you know, I love my my metaphors, so I'm going to do one even though I absolutely hate yoga. But I feel like the epilogue <laughs> is like the shavasana of the book, right? Like when you're doing a yoga class, if you're not me, you're probably not enraged the whole time, but it really makes me <laughs> mad. So. But you, so you're doing the yoga class and if, you, if you're me, you've been enraged the entire time. You're not sure how much more you can take. You feel like you're going to start taking your little prop blocks and chuck them at the teacher. And then the teacher blessedly says, don't you lie on the floor in a comfortable position? And you're like, oh, sweet, merciful heaven. This is what I've been waiting for. The Shavasana should be like, we're done. We're finally done. This class is over. I don't have to hate anyone anymore. And, (laughs) And it's like the indicator that it's finished. That's how the epilogue should feel. It should feel like you've gone through a rage class of yoga and now you know it's going to be over and it's done. It's the indicator. It's resolving things. It's wrapping it up. It's finishing it. Okay. I pulled up a bunch of different books that I have read. I actually have been going through my books and like, I don't remember if this had an epilogue at all. (laughs) Like the ones that I remember are sometime afterward. Like I can remember reading books where it's like, the main storyline of the romance has closed and then the epilogue is like that dangling thread of did she get the promotion that she was going for like how did the presentation that she had spent so much time working on turn out that we didn't like we got so sidetracked by everything else going on that like we don't have the answer to this big question, which is the tying up of the loose ends. But I can't remember specific books like that. Like they're not that that memorable. <laughs> That's an, The presentation is an interesting example because I feel like a well-constructed plot, if the presentation is a big part of her goal, that would be tied in to the resolution of her romance as well. But, you know, because this is because we're in book world. Like, obviously, that's not how real life works. But Right, right. Yeah. And if I could remember specifically like, what mm-hmm. book is in my mind for that, I could talk more about it. But it was memorable enough that I'm like, oh, yes, this is a specific example that I can think of, but not memorable enough that I could cite the, the title. And I think of the three of us, I might be the best at recalling titles. So that's kind of telling us something, right? Whereas the stories that are very much tying up the bow of happily ever after are very memorable to me in a lot of cases. Like I've mentioned before, I don't remember if it was on the podcast or in a different conversation, but the Sins for All Seasons series by Lorraine Heath. Um, Mm -hmm. The last book is Beauty Tempts the Beast. And it's the only book in the series that I read, but it's the last book in the series and it's a family story. And so the epilogue takes place when the main couple of book six is like in their 80s and they have their Aww. whole family Aww. all together surrounding them at the end of the book. And it's just like awesome, you know, like they're so they've they've all 
had such a good life and they have their grandchildren too. So, you know, their kids had a good, you know, like it's just, and some of them have adoptive kids. Like it's not all totally historical romance, you know, old school historical romance type of um, put together. So, you know, that was extremely memorable or even something like You and Me by Tal Bauer or Classified, which is a three book series of one couple, which I try not to do, but they were both fighter pilots. And how could I say no to that? You know, the problem was, so in You and Me, they get married and they've both had a rough go of things and they're kind of like rebooting. And so it was like, a, hey, let's let's do this next thing in our lives that is together. Like, let's have a kid together. And classified with the fighter pilots, like there's a concern that they could be once they finish their flight school, they could be deployed to different places. So having the epilogue be like, one is a flight instructor now, and the other one is a uh, Thunderbird. I don't know. Guys, don't, don't. I'll just say it's a Thunderbird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're able to be together because they're both stationed in the same place is meaningful. So, okay. So, those Just are so extremely clear, memorable. Classified is Top Gun fanfic. I mean, Ooh. yes, and okay. I mean, honestly, who does not want that? Uh, uh, but it's me. But... <laughs> no, I mean, I was like, but it's but it's male male, you know, Top Gun fanfic. Anyway, well, yeah, I was like, obviously, I, like... I was I was doing it for a minute where I was like, I want all the fighter pilots. So, friends listening in, if you have any like, I have a couple on my TBR that I found. One is lesbians. So, but yeah. Shoot me your recommendations. Because <laughs> sometimes I go down a rabbit hole and I'm like, I just want more pilots. Erin, <laughs> when do you not go? Like, you, you literally go from rabbit hole to rabbit hole to rabbit hole. How does your nature, like, you like the, it's And true. the more obscure, weird, like, niche <laughs> rabbit hole, the better. All right, guys, I officially have a book to recommend because, hey. because I just read it. So it's fresh in my mind. Also, it's a physical copy. I've learned that I can remember books better when they're physical copies. Thank you, used bookstores and little free libraries. This is an old one. It's Stephanie Laurent. Lawrence? Lawrence? Lawrence. 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 Whatever. Anyway, it's a Bastion Club novel. It's Captain Jack's Woman. So just from the title alone, you know it's probably old school and it is it's 1997 but anyway it has an epilogue that is really well done and yes it does have a baby involved in the epilogue but the i think the overall purpose of the epilogue here is that in the plot the lord the you know hero jack captain jack captain jack has been (laughs) he's the new i don't really remember what his title is let's let's see what's on the back it doesn't because Captain Jack's way more interesting than Lord Hendon. But anyway, Lord Hendon has been tasked with outwardly to the public of taking down this smuggling ring, but he's actually the leader of the smuggling ring secretly. Awkward. <laughs> but it turns out it's on purpose because they're actually, the point is that they're trying to double cross French spies and stuff. So it's it's actually pretty juicy. But anyway, the Kit, the uh, heroine, stumbles across a band of really bad smugglers one night and anyway so she ends up helping them because they're so inept that she's like dude guys like you're gonna get caught you need to let me help you so she ends up being like elected the leader of this little inept band of smugglers but the point is is that throughout this whole thing he doesn't know that she's a lady 
she she doesn't know that Captain Jack is a lord and is actually the lord who's being tasked with taking down all the smugglers. He convinces her to join his band of smugglers so that they don't, you know, water down the competition or whatever. So anyway, it's very interesting. But the point of the, the epilogue is that they're trying to take care of these smugglers who are all good-hearted smugglers and everything. So the end is them revealing the truth to all the smugglers and like wrapping that whole plot line up with a bow and stuff. So it's not just the baby part. It's that. Too. All right. Well, if we're sharing our um, recommended good epilogues or like epilogues that work really well, I have one contemporary and one historical that both just like in my mind. Yeah. Right. And so one is end of story by Kylie Scott. And that came out like January last of this year. year. Oh. Was it already this year? Yeah, it feels it, so much longer ago. Yeah, I think it was like <laughs> January 2023. But the premise of this book is a woman hires a guy to like do some work on her house and they find in the wall a divorce certificate with their names on it dated 12 years in the future. <laughs> and he thinks she's pranking him. And he's the best friend of her ex-boyfriend who was really awful to her. So that there's like a lot of drama between them. And then the love story is them. This is like this forced proximity of, okay, well, let's work together to figure out what is going on with this. And, they're like, and she's like, well, I don't want to get married. So like, obviously this can't be real. But the epilogue then takes place on the date that was on the divorce certificate. So it's 12 yeah. years in the future and they're happy and they're happily married. And he's just like, hey, hey, do you know what today is? And she's like, Tuesday. And he's like, no, it's the day. And it's just kind of a snapshot of their life and how they, I guess, were able to change their future by learning how to communicate with each other, basically. <laughs> but it's like, it ties up this whole mystery that is the impetus for the entire plot. Yeah. And the other one that also six in my mind is is it's in his kiss by Julia Quinn, and that's seven. <laughs> with the necklace. With the necklace, right? That's Bridgerton book number seven, featuring Hyacinth. Yes. So you know, people who watch the TV show Hyacinth is like one of the little ones that gets no screen time, and she becomes interesting eventually, many years later, I guess. But her whole story is that she is like looking for this lost necklace that's supposedly hidden in the walls of this townhouse and and the epilogue is their daughter spoiler alert finally finds the necklace well but it's even better than that right because like yeah. she's still looking for the necklace she's like it's gotta be here and her husband comes in and he's like hey honey you're adorable no, right the, no but the epilogue is told from the daughter's point no, of view I but they like come in and she's still looking and he's even like, you're so sweet and I love you so much. Like, come on, let's go snuggle. And the daughter's like, mom and dad are weird. I'm gonna, yeah. So right, it's, but, the, but the daughter finds the necklace and then like hides it back in the wall. And is like, <laughs> this is my secret. Um, yeah. Right. So it like, it does, it hits all the beats. It like shows the couple, it resolves the mystery that was the impetus for bringing them together. It shows their kids, like, and the same with this Kylie Scott, right? It shows their life with their kids, them being cute together, while also resolving this bigger picture thing. Yeah, but so saying that, I feel like most epilogues or most stories don't have that. They don't that big mystery, yeah, or that impetus that's still kind of hanging over the characters, where 
you need that passage of time to show the difference. It, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are two. Well, I haven't read the Kylie Scott, but once you said <laughs> it's in his kiss, I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, remember that epilogue. <laughs> I don't remember a single other epilogue except for one of them where they're like playing croquet or whatever, palm all. Like, whatever. But that one, that one is the one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, it's interesting. I I really would be curious because I work with authors too, but I, I really would be curious sometimes to hear why what like what the choice is to put some of the epilogues in. You know what I mean? When when they just feel kind of superfluous and frustrating. Because like why is it frustrating? It should I don't it shouldn't be frustrating. Sometimes <laughs> it is. Like, I don't need this I don't this, see it was perfect the way it was and then you added too many sprinkles or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I mean so I have a theory. And my theory is that it's really hard to say goodbye. Yes, it's so right. that's really what it is. Well, I don't even know if it's the authors themselves saying, okay, so here's here's a weird thing. I love an epilogue. I love to stay with the characters. I will never forget the book Honey Trap by Astrid Glenn Gray for a couple of reasons. But one of them is because they finally get back together and then it's over. And I'm like, but, but. Like, we spent so much time being separated. So, what by you're saying life. is. <laughs> and then it you, was just over. You really, really wanted, I wanted to be with those characters a little longer when they could still have their happiness, you know, when they weren't dealing with all the other stuff that was going on. And I think that this is a common thing uh, for a lot of authors where they're like, well, now they've got it. You know, it's like the, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe this is not the best thing to say but maybe it's kind of like the theory of you're put on this earth to accomplish that one thing and then when you do you die kind of an idea it's like they fall in love and then it's over you know like <laughs> there's that's the end of the story so on one hand i get it and it's funny funny not funny like weird i don't know how to explain this all the books that i've written don't have epilogues <laughs> <laughs> they just end like they just end <laughs> so it's like i love an epilogue i love to stay with the characters i understand readers who are like more baby yetis <laughs> or something like that and uh why did i do that because the story well, was over there yeah but okay so th this is interesting and i'm trying to pull my thoughts together in a cohesive way so ostensibly our jumping off point was the fact that we all read books called flirting with forever and we're like oh this seems like a good opportunity to talk about agas some more but we've talked about agas like a lot mm -hmm. but i do want to talk about the flirting with forever book that i read which is the one by cara bastone because this book it does not have an epilogue and it's a very slow burn the characters get together at like a 75 80% of the way through the book like it's a courtship it's a courtship book right mm -hmm. and as they finally get together and they have their moment of connection and a fight and then they resolve it and it could have just ended there but there's like another 20% of the book which is just them being smoochy mm -hmm. which is reading it as from a reader standpoint I'm like well there's no tension left like they solved the problem of what was keeping them together. Yeah. You know? I mean, they do they do solve, they address the heroine's relationship with her mother. So, like, there is 
another piece of plot that they do kind of and I and I want to say I did really enjoy this book it's like it was really great but the last 20% is just them being happy and boning and I'm like well could this have just been an epilogue after they finally got over it and had sex for the first time yeah so this is one of those things that I think is like the romance question mark because Mm -hmm. with a slow burn I love a good slow burn and with a slow burn like you said it's the courtship all the tension is in the not knowing so it's a completely different equation than any kind of story involving sex right off the bat anyway a, a slow burn just is doing a completely different thing and and how the emotional intimacy plays out and I mean I think that also can impact since we're talking about epilogues how the epilogue is supposed to work right like Holly in your example the epilogue there there's not a need for an epilogue because the resolution is coming from a different place right they had the resolution and then you got the afterglow and you got the bonus sex scene already it was a good it was a good bonus sex scene <laughs> and you know and you you get and then you get the the bonus i love you and so everything is really wrapped up and I mean, I could imagine that there were readers who were like, but I want to know if they had a baby. Because mm-hmm. like the question mm-hmm. of fertility was kind of a looming, a looming thing. So I could see where some readers would want that. But I'm, I'm like really glad that it wasn't drawn out even further. Yeah. Well, and as we have said, I think at the end of the day, for me, it's on a case by case basis. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. there, I do love an epilogue. I love to stay with the characters, especially if I loved the characters. I want to be there with them for as long as I can hold on to them and like hold on to that happiness. But there have definitely been times when I've read a book and the epilogue was, what did you call it, Ingrid? Just, you know, just plugging in what it seems like romance readers want. <laughs> like, oh, I have to put in this epilogue that's like... I'm getting down on one knee to propose to you when like that wasn't necessarily the big emotional thing in their relationship or actually in my Omega verse quest, I also read a series of friends uh, and they were very tied together. So they all showed up in each other's books, but the epilogue for the last book, oftentimes in romance series, especially when the, the characters are very tied together, the epilogue will show like everyone's resolution Mm -hmm. in the last book but in this series the book it was only for this one couple and i found that very unsatisfying even though if they were reading it as a standalone i probably would have found it very satisfying (laughs) right and if you were reading it as a standalone you would have been like why are they telling me about all these other people that i don't care about right so that was purely based on like how i read the whole series and engaged with the series of books so and like boyfriend material is a great one where it ends maybe rather abruptly they're on the stairs after their fight and agree to give their relationship a real try and that's it and it was extremely satisfying maybe not the best example because then he wrote a whole second second book but he doesn't usually do sequels he doesn't usually alexis hall doesn't usually do sequels and he doesn't usually do epilogues but then we had the whole conversation about husband material and i mean when i wrote my review of husband material i was like it's hard to go back to a book because once the author takes you back to the characters that's canon and you don't get whatever you made up in your head for what's happening later so um i guess 
it's just interesting for me to like think about what works for me and what doesn't. Like I can't make a blanket statement about it, I feel like. All right, Ingrid, make a blanket statement. Well, that's because I think it's a tool. Epilogues are a tool. So I guess my blanket statement is actually more aligned with Aaron. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't know if you were looking for rage. Uh, that I don't really have any rage either. I mean, I agree with Ingrid that it's a tool. That And I think us expecting every romance author we read to use every tool in their tool belt perfectly is ridiculous but you should romance <laughs> authors listen to us and use your tools perfectly so yeah that's what i have to say about that because we're geniuses obviously <laughs> <laughs> we have all the answers we have all the answers to all the questions about <laughs> everything you should do with every romance novel <laughs> any questions no, we will not be taking questions. That's just my <laughs> I like it. statement. I approve. <laughs> well, I appreciate this discussion. I feel like it was nicely nuanced as opposed to just Nuance is what being we do, ragey. Unless it's about Duke. <laughs> yeah. If it's about Duke, it's pretty cutthroat. But... All right. Well, thanks for joining us for this latest podcast. Our next podcast is probably going to be the beginning of an exciting series we're starting, right? Actually, yes. So it's starting in yeah. August. Yeah. So starting in August, we're doing a super exciting series called Put Up Your Dukes. And since, as we, I just established, we are the arbiters of all true knowledge in, uh, about romance novels, yep, it's we are true. deciding who the best Duke is. We made a bracket and everything. So we'll be putting stuff on the social media places, probably about that. I don't know. Social media is a weird, weird place right now. So who knows what platforms will still be around in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, give us a follow at Smut Report on whatever platform you feel like being on. And maybe we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> but for full show notes and the check in on when the Duke stuff is happening, go to smutreport.com slash podcast and we'll see you here next time. Na 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 smut report.